Welcome to Get Your Head Back in the Game. This is a podcast about the amazing human spirit to overcome setbacks and stories to inspire you to get your head back in the game. My name is Melissa Ross. I am a mother, a wife, a sibling, a former professional cyclist, a cycling coach, and a serial entrepreneur. I am a traumatic brain injury warrior. I have lost everything and have fought my way back step by step. And I invite you to do the same. So get ready to join me for this wild ride. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Get Your Head Back in the Game. My name is Melissa Ross and I am very excited to be talking with Lauren D. Crescenzo today. She is one of my former teammates from Kenda about probably 10 years ago. Way back in the day. Yeah, way back in the day. She is now a professional gravel racer, a former winner of the Unbound Gravel SBT Gravel Worlds, to name a few. There's a big list of successes on Lauren's resume. And last year, she was also at the UCI World Championships for gravel, which is um, was in Italy. And what we're going to talk about today, importantly, is Lauren's a TBI survivor and has a very inspiring um, story to talk about with her 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 journey. So Lauren, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to excited to be on and talk about what I think is one of the more important parts of the story, which is my traumatic brain injury. Yeah, suffered throughout all of, uh, throughout all the success. There was a TBI. Right. Do you want to talk about kind of where you were before the accident and, you know, where you were in your you know, your career and how yeah. things were going and then, you know, what what happened? Right. Yeah. 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 Just for some backgrounds. Um, so in 20, it happened in 2016. Um, I was 25 years old and I was like a kind of an up and coming professional road cyclist. Um, and I was with my team at an early season race out in California. Um, I have no memory of any of this, but from what I'm told, we were in stage two of a stage race and it was the final 200 meters of the race and the final sprint. And that is when my handlebars got caught in the metal barriers that were lining the course. And I went over the bars, over the barriers, landing directly on my head. Um, my helmet cracked in half and took most of the impact. Um, and a helicopter was necessary to, for the severity of my injuries. I listened, uh, they flew me to the ICU. Doctors put me in a medically induced coma to reduce like swelling and bleeding in my brain. Um, and then I was then sent to Craig Rehabilitation Center out in Colorado, um, where I woke up one day wondering what was going on around me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just some backgrounds. Um, yeah, 25 in wow. 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were um, in your coma, did you can you remember anything from that or was it you woke up and you had this blank slate of where am I or 
blank slate, complete blank slate. Yeah, you don't, I didn't have any, no, I didn't remember being in a coma. I don't think, think that's kind of impossible. <laughs> yeah. no, I have no memory of, I actually don't even remember the crash itself. I maybe like remember that morning, maybe, mm. but I could have just like made up those memories maybe by like looking at old like pictures or receipts or whatever. Um, but I have no memory of the crash um, after the after the crash or going to the ICU, being placed in a coma. So I don't have any memories for about three weeks. It's a complete like blank slate in my head, which in some ways is good because I think it's the body's, I think they call it post-traumatic amnesia. Hmm. Um, I think it's your body's like your brain's like fight or flight kind of response to like protect itself is to not remember any of the trauma because yeah there's no reason to remember any of that yeah wow um when you woke up did you um I mean did you know who the people were around you or have like no have you know memory loss in terms of not knowing friends or family any of that yeah so actually well after my coma after i was in the medically induced coma for six days following the crash i woke up in the icu at the university of southern california <laughs> um my i don't remember any of this but my family was there they so they say they were there at usc they uh, they came out like immediately they flew out from colorado and new york and everywhere and according to what they tell me now, I didn't even remember my own parents, my brothers. I didn't remember anyone. And they were yeah. very, very scared then when I didn't even recognize my own family. Right. So yeah, I didn't I didn't remember anyone initially, but it took it's for about until I woke up or until I came back to like awareness three weeks later at the rehab center when I woke up and I was like, Ooh, what's going on? <laughs> but yeah, for those first three weeks, nothing. I didn't recognize anyone. I have no memories of any of it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, what is she, what is that version of Lauren even thinking about? I have no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember when you were interviewed on TV um, and I, I watched it and I was just like, who is that person? Cause you had this, you looked like there was just this blank blankness or, you know, like right. all the things that make Lauren, like this bubbly personality, it was just gone. And all gone. yeah, it Completely. was devastating to, to see that. But Hey, it came back. I know. <laughs> I know that's what's so <laughs> remarkable because I think when your accident happened personally I didn't know a lot about brain injuries like I thought I did but You're I really right. I, I knew nothing I, I knew nothing until it happened to me which is kind of concerning very concerning yeah and then what um I mean what happened when you were at Craig and how how do you think you started to come back from all the stuff you were doing Oh, yeah. Well, when I woke up at Craig, I just remember thinking, like, where am I? Why is my entire family here? Why am I in this hospital gown? Like, what is this medical equipment for? And that's when I thought, oh, 
this was a bad crash, I think. This must have been a bad crash. Um, yeah, but at Craig, that was like the hardest part of the recovery for me, just because I was like back to awareness, like knowing what was going on, like all the symptoms, um, common symptoms associated with the brain injury. They were there like in full force. <laughs> just um, and what I think was well, like you know, the amnesia, me like having to relearn how to like walk and talk. Um, I was confused. I had difficulty concentrating, um, creating new memories. Um, and, uh, yeah, things, just things like that. Um, my mood was like, not great. I was very angry, very angry with my situation, feeling like everything that I was working for, everything I love was taken away in like a split second. Right. Um, yeah. Anger. Um, had a lot of anxiety, like a lot of like apathy, loneliness. I was very, very frustrated with like, why, why is this? Why me? Why am I here? How do I get out of here? <laughs> My moldings ever change. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, at the hospital, actually, I was, um, they kept a 24 hour nurse with me to like watch me. And oh, wow. none of the nurses eventually wanted me because once I became like, I was able to walk again and I was just like so frustrated and irritated. I would walk the hospitals, like walk around. I would do loops. <laughs> one of the nurses had a Fitbit. She clocked me at 15 miles one day. Oh my gosh. None of the nurses wanted me. <laughs> I was like, I need to get out. I need to get out. <laughs> at least you got yeah. some exercise. <laughs> I was trying to get some exercise because like going from like, like pro cycling to like living in a rehab center. I was like, I got to do something. And there was an exercise bike there, but I didn't want to get on the exercise bike. Right. Like never again. <laughs> I'm wow. just going to walk forever. <laughs> what were some of the things that they did with you at Craig? Did you do PT or vision therapy mm -hmm. or any other occupational therapy to? Yeah. Yeah. When I wasn't, when I wasn't walking the hallways, I was, I was in therapy for the rest of the day. Um, yeah, I was in occupational therapy, um, in speech therapy, physical therapy, therapy, therapy. <laughs> um, like I had a neuropsychiatrist, psychologist. I was just in therapy all day. Cause oh, that's wow. like, that's, yeah, that's what, well, that's why Craig, it's like one of the, it is like the best spinal cord and like TBI rehab centers, like in the world. Yeah. It was very intense. <laughs> wow. I bet you had to be so tired at the end of the day. After Between the walking and the therapy. Doing all that. <laughs> yeah. I would, but... I would go to PT and just be exhausted for the rest of the day, just from one thing. And that was an hour, if that. My life was just continuous therapy sessions. Wow. And then when you got out of Craig, I mean, how did they tell you like how many more days you're going to be in there or kind of set a goal for where you needed to be before you could go home? Yeah, actually I was able to, I was like so frustrated with everything. I was able to like have, they moved my date that I could be discharged up about two weeks. 
because I showed them, I was like, look guys, I'm totally going to be fine. I promise to go to all of my therapy when I leave. Just let me go home, please. I mean, they did let me out like a little bit earlier than originally anticipated, but like they saw like really good progress in, in the recovery and felt confident sending me home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I know it was, it's a great rehabilitation center. It's a great yeah, a great center, but living at a rehab center is not fun. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can imagine. Especially when you're 25 and you like think you're a pro cyclist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What, um, was your family nearby to come visit you or? Oh yeah. You- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was very, very lucky that I, I have such a like supportive family um, my mom was, they have like a, a place for families to stay actually at Craig hospital across the street. So she was actually, she lived at Craig hospital with me Oh wow! For, yeah. Cause I didn't want to be alone. I couldn't be alone yeah. with yeah. any of this. And my dad, um, this was in Colorado and my whole family's in Colorado. So my dad was there like every single day. He'd go to work for a few hours, but then he would just be hanging out with me at Craig hospital. (laughs) Wow. And actually, actually my grandpa, well, and grandma, they came every single day too. But my grandpa, originally he came to the ICU out in California. Um, He was like him and my dad basically started driving to California when they got the call and like had to reroute to the airport when they got a flight, but um, they were out there and grandpa slept in a chair next to my like I was in a coma and grandpa like slept in the chair next to me like when I was in a coma and he he told yeah it was so sweet (laughs) but he tells me I put at least like he aged at least 20 years (laughs) from he was like sleeping in a chair for like three weeks oh wow he's he's a very good grandpa so yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet um yeah but I couldn't yeah without the support of my family I don't know where I'd be yeah wow um are you um like when you got out did you have to figure out other things that were working for you in terms of helping you deal with your day-to-day life um yeah I mean I feel like in some ways I kind of I had to like take the initiative in my recovery and it took like a lot a lot of consistent like work every day work that I didn't want to do but I kind of knew I had to do it (laughs) um I actually started applying for graduate school when I was discharged oh really yeah wow yeah Yeah. because I was like I can't do this cycling thing anymore those days are over this is like not leading me anywhere good so like I started yeah, I started applying for grad school, got into grad school, started that there. But I thought that was like probably one of the best things I could possibly do because like like the mental exercise of like studying and like thinking really, really like helps fire up all those like brain circuits. <laughs> so that was that was huge going back to school. And then I also felt like, you know, I had refocused my entire life and like was reinventing my life right yeah but like I also could never give up the the cycling yeah the dream (laughs) the dream well no I like I didn't race or anything for 
at least for two years. I wasn't racing. I was just in graduate school. I thought I had like turned it into more of like a hobby. Um, but I, in some ways I was actually, I actually went on a ride following the crash. My first ride outside was with Tim Dugan. He, he was a, um, he won the U S pro national championships in 2012. He went to the Olympics for the U S and like, he also had a really bad TBI at the tour. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. In 2011 before the Olympics. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, we were like, we were like more acquaintances, but he asked me, um, like to go on a ride outside. And I was like, sure. He's want to go get ice cream. And I was like, all right, well, let's go ride. I'll do my first ride outside to the ice cream place. <laughs> <laughs> and like him, but him like telling me all this, like just a few months after my discharge that like about his own recovery and like him using cycling as a measuring stick for measuring his progress that was like a game changer in my mind because I was like oh if I can just like get back to where I was I'll know that I'm recovered yeah that I'm doing like that I'm better like I can objectively measure my progress in my physical recovery so that's what I was using cycling for originally (laughs) originally things only escalated from there (laughs) to where we are right now I like how you put it that way, using it as a measuring stick, because I I think I'm, I might have done the same thing, yeah. but I never connected the dots. <laughs> oh, like, I just like making, it just makes things objective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you started riding again, how long was it until you were like, I'm going to sign up for a bike race? well um I was back in graduate school studying epidemiology um because I was going to do my new life as an epidemiologist and (laughs) had all these big had all these grand plans but um as I was studying I was eligible for collegiate racing again I was like and that was like kind of how I started out originally collegiate so I was like all right well I remember one of my friends telling me but I was really, really fit in that if I didn't at least do one collegiate race, then I'd be wasting all this fitness. I was like, well, wouldn't want to waste any fitness. (laughs) (laughs) So I won a few collegiate bike races. And then I, then I kind of started dabbling in this new gravel thing. Um, because it, to me, it just felt a lot safer than riding on the road, with like there were no cars the speeds are generally slower on the gravel um when you crash the dirt's a little bit better than the pavement yeah yeah so I started dabbling in the early days of gravel did you did you also worry about like riding in a big group oh very yeah I was initially I was like super anything that could land me back at Craig I was horrified of and still subconsciously get think that there's like a little bit of the lingering, like, don't do that, Lauren. You just send it back where you were. <laughs> I'm working to overcome all these, all of these like emotional scars <laughs> from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when you got into gravel, um, were you just riding by yourself or did you get on a team right away? Cause that's your, you know, your background is riding with the team. Um, yeah, well, actually, I when I was riding again, I was still associated with my team from before the crash DNA. 
because like they're it's like one big family they I still like was friends with them still I'm friends with them in 2018 I think I did the that old man winter race in Colorado um I won that race um and then they said, hey, Lauren, would you be interested in doing this race called Crusher and the Tusher out in Utah um, over summer break? And I was like, anything with Crusher in the name is right on my alley. <laughs> <laughs> be right there, gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have always, I've, oh, I've always liked the team kind of environment, just like being, as you know, as my former teammate, I just like being around other people, working towards the same goals. Yeah. Yeah, you were always a really good team player, and that's what yes. I love about you. <laughs> Instead of just in it for yourself, you seemed like you you cared about the whole outcome of the team. And yeah, you know. I, I I'm not no privateer. Why? <laughs> um. So when you got back into doing a lot of races, when you were racing, did you experience any? PTSD or during like when you're in the race and have to like kind of calm yourself down how did that play out in your head um yeah I mean at the very very beginning yes I had the the internal dialogue which is like don't don't do that don't do that that's too scary too scary this is dangerous like I had to yeah those thoughts were kind of just like circling through my head but uh, just the more I did it and the more exposure I had to these situations, the better it gets as like anything in the world really. And, but I really feel like gravel is what helped me overcome this most um, because I feel like gravel is more about like your ability to like push and suffer and get through the pain. And I think that really... <laughs> That's really right up my alley, especially after the TBI, just like, I don't even see it. I don't even see it as suffering anymore. Like the TBI that was suffering and like what I experienced on the bike now is just pain. Right. So yeah. So now I'm pretty good at getting through pain and I seeing it more as a privilege. Like I put myself in these situations and it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. Whereas <laughs> like with the TBI, I was like, this is never going to end. This is the rest of my life. Like, I didn't know there's no end date in sight when like it would feel when things would be better. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now pain on the bike is like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. After you got your graduate degree, didn't you go work for the CDC yeah. right away? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty that cool. Was, that was awesome. It was really interesting timing as well. You know, I graduated in 2019 with the epidemiology degree, started working there later that year. And then everyone knows what happened in 2020. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was an exciting time to be an epidemiologist. Wow. Quite exciting. Yeah. So uh, that was cool. I mean, as cool as a global pandemic can be. It was good timing to be an epidemiologist. <laughs> yeah. Did your, did, weren't you studying, um, doing some research on brain injuries or were you put into another area because of what was going on with the world? Um, well, yeah, in graduate school, I actually wrote my, like my, my master's thesis on traumatic brain injury trends in Colorado. 
um, and was able to get that published in injury prevention, which was cool. Um, being on the other side, like being the scientist and not the patient, I like that was really like like monumental for me as in my recovery. Um, but then at CDC, I mean, I was in the um, I was in injury prevention, so more um, not necessarily not infectious disease, but then when the pandemic happens, like you could volunteer to be on the COVID task force. And that's what I did. And that was like in Mar in May of 2020 before, or was it March? It was, it was before any, it was before we all knew what was going on. It was crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We were showing up with no masks on to work, like saying, what's this COVID thing? But <laughs> figured it all out, I guess, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> How long um, was it until you got your contract to start racing again? Because um, weren't didn't you do some sort of Everesting challenge on your own? Yes. Feel <laughs> yeah, like that was, fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun thing to do during the when there was no racing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, Everesting was that was really intense and. It was cool. I had a world record for five days, which was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually, after that, and like during the pandemic, um, I did a podcast with uh, Cinch with um, Tom Danielson and his wife, Courtney. There was that really bad crash at the Tour of Poland's mm. um, where uh, one of the racers crashed into like the finish line barriers, very similar to my own crash. So like they had me on the podcast that they do and we spoke about you know the the crash there and like how it was like and my own crash and like race course safety and like what the UCI and USAC need to do to like make these courses safer um and then after following that podcast they were starting this new team um because since was always like a coaching program like a coaching infrastructure thing but first and foremost, that's what they, they still are a coaching program, but they were like starting this like kind of development team and they were looking for riders. And then they asked me following the podcast, they, they asked if I was still interested in doing gravel and maybe a little bit of road. And I was like, well, yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I hadn't been able to entirely get away from the cycling. So yeah, I joined, I joined them then. And then about uh, they started coaching me and maybe three months after that my coach um tom said to me he's like lauren I, you can win unbound and i was like no <laughs> no way he's like no no like you're responding really well to this training and i i really think that you can win unbounds and then i was like all right i'm in <laughs> So then three months after that, I was winning Unbounds and submitting my virtual resignation to CDC. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you were right. Yeah, I totally did it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It was so cool. That's that's awesome. Were your coworkers like, what? You're quitting your job here for racing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they all kind of like had a little feeling that that might happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so cool because you're young and, you know, like yeah. you just got to follow those dreams. 
Totally. Yeah. I mean, it took me and it, when they first were like, okay, Lauren, time to, time to quit your job. I wasn't like, okay. I was like, but, but my job is so cool. Like it's, it's my dream jobby job. But then I thought about it and I was like, well, when I'm old, older, when I'm like 85, what am I going to regret more? Like right. not taking, like not taking the opportunity to like do pro cycling finally, or missing a few years in the cubicle. I was like, oh, right. well, looking out for 85 year old me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited for you, Lauren. You also mentioned um, that you work for, or you do some work with the Love Your Brain Foundation. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. um, So yeah, the Love Your Brain Foundation was founded by um, Kevin Pierce and his brother. Um, They founded the organization after uh, Kevin, the snowboarder, he had a really bad TBI. He had a, a very bad bad TBI when he was preparing for the Olympics and he was also a patient at Craig and it was very difficult it was a very difficult recovery and he was never able to return to the top level of snowboarding but yeah him and his brother Adam they started this organization for TBI survivors um getting back on their feet and um they have, they offer a lot of like yoga and meditation retreats and just like, yeah, ways for TBI, um, survivors to just like get back. Um, so I've been working with them, the money that they raise goes towards hosting like these events and just providing knowledge to the community of brain, um, injury survivors. And so I organized a, a ride for resilience in Colorado with uh, project super training, yeah, that was that was cool. That they uh the project super training group ride, um all the donations went to the Love Your Brain Foundation, and um yeah that was that was pretty cool. And just like yeah, I've been trying to just like raise awareness continuously, trying to raise awareness. Uh, just everyone needs to wear a helmet. <laughs> everyone wear a helmet, and yeah, I'm just very passionate about like continuing to like work in this space, as it was like so like life-changing for me so like anything I can do now to like give back to the community just preventing these injuries is well worth my time right when you uh look back on all of your symptoms and stuff what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to deal with and maybe even long-term depression (laughs) definitely the depression was like the worst or like the hardest symptom to deal with um, following the TBI. Um, it results, uh, well, it's a very common symptom of TBI patients. Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a very normal symptom um, for people to deal with. It usually, it can result in like people having suicidal ideation. Um, it's like the severe mood swings um, everything and overcoming that was definitely the hardest. Um, I had to do, um, electronic convulsive therapy. Um, what's that? (laughs) Um, it's when they, they actually send like electric currents through your brain. They, they shock your brain a little bit and it's supposed to like, they don't really entirely understand the science, 
but it's like kind of like wiping the slate clean and just like, you know, but for anyone experiencing severe, severe depression, that's always an option is ECT therapy. Mm. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of medicines and there's lots of like cognitive behavioral therapies. Um, there's always, there's always a way to get help. So yeah, <laughs> this is my public service announcement. If anyone is thinking has uh, any thoughts like this, yeah, there's a suicide hotline, anything. Um, but yeah, the depression was really, really, really bad. And still it's much better. It's, it's much better after all these therapies now, but like, you know, the ebbs and flows of the depression is like definitely right. a longer lasting effect of the traumatic brain injury. Right. Do you feel like, um, getting back into cycling helped at all or oh, had yeah. an impact on, on that? Hugely, hugely. I feel like exercise just for anyone, um, going through a traumatic brain injury recovery is like vital, very, very important and for the recovery. But yeah, for me, definitely cycling, like the endorphin release, of course, and just like the sense of accomplishment after like a workout and just, just feeling like myself again. Right. Do you, mm -hmm. you ever feel like when you're going through those like down spots, you know, like in your depression or if any symptoms come up, do you ever feel like people around you don't quite understand because it's been so long since your accident? Um, or do yeah. they get it? I kind of get it. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. I feel like my fam, my family understands like, because they saw it. They saw it all. They saw what I went through. Maybe for outsiders, um, people who are more on the outside and don't really see like behind behind the scenes. My family never says like, "Why aren't you over it?" They're like, "Oh my god, that was the worst thing that's ever happened." <laughs> yes, they remember everything. I don't remember it all, but they definitely remember everything. Right. Well, yeah, that's but like. That's good. You have such a strong, supportive, you know, support system. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Just keep talking about them. <laughs> At the time I didn't, when I was going through all this, I definitely didn't feel like anybody understood me, like not even my doctors. Right. I was like, yeah. I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone in the entire world. <laughs> How could you possibly understand what I'm going through? And I mean, now looking back, I just like kind of see a different version of me thinking these thoughts that how could anyone ever understand? And actually now looking back at the time, I thought it was the worst thing to ever happen in the entire world. But now I look back and I'm like, wow, that was an incredible recovery. I am so lucky that that ended up the way it did because things could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Cause you hear, yeah, other stories of people not recovering quite the same, right? Not the same. So yeah. very, very fortunate. I wouldn't say that back then, but now I can. <laughs> right. Looking back. Are you, um, like if you ever went back to give yourself advice when you were in the depths of this, what do you think you would say to yourself 
if you were the Lauren now talking to the Lauren who is, you know, like at Craig. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I would say if I could go back and talk to like former Lauren, I would definitely just say like, Lauren, it's going to be okay. Things are going to get better. You know, you can't see it now, but like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like things aren't going to stay like this. Going to be totally fine. (laughs) Um, Something, oh, something else I would actually tell this former version of Lauren too would be like, I'd say, Lauren, it's okay. You're going to fall in love. You're going to get married. Cause like at the time, like that's one of the, I feel like that's just one of the effects of the brain injury is like, you know, the emotional control and just like kind of seeing out of yourself. Like I, at the time, I didn't think that I could ever, I'm like, how will I ever love anyone? Like I can't even get out of my own head. Yeah. With time that got better. And then about two years later, I actually met my husband. Um, Yeah. So I would tell, I would tell that Lauren, it's it's okay. You're going to get married. You're going to fall in love. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, then I would also say you're going to be a pro cyclist again. And that would be, I'd be like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) You would get mad at yourself. (laughs) I would be like, stop lying to me, future self. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I'd say all sorts of things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I feel like I went through that emotional part too of worrying that like my family would reject me you know yeah. like yeah. I was worried about that too it was like who could who could love the the me that's you know like in this yeah who could love this right yeah that was that was really hard to to cope with I guess in that in those yeah. moments um, take you, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a long tunnel and yours was pretty rocky. Oh yes. It was quite rocky, <laughs> but it's you, okay. you made happily it married. happily married <laughs> and my family still likes me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I say such nice things about them all the time. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you feel like you want to share that not a lot of people, I guess, know about what you went through or in terms of brain injury since you did so much research? Right. What do I say? My research studied like I studied like the trends in IC, (laughs) I did ICD coding. (laughs) So it was more like coding and stuff. So not necessarily things that people need to know on this podcast. (laughs) But um, I don't know, I guess I kind of already said it with like, what would I tell my former self? I feel like if I were to tell any, talk to any patient now uh, going through it, I would just say like, it's like, don't give up. Like it's going to be better. Like things aren't going to get, things couldn't possibly get any worse than they are right now. (laughs) Just like, keep your, keep your head up and just like, just keep looking forward and things get better. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I would tell. That's what I would tell anyone. (laughs) You can be okay. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I really think your story is probably 
one of the most inspiring stories in the history of cycling, Lauren. Oh, and I think it will be for a really long time. Like, thank you. Yeah. I don't want this story to, you know, fade away or anything because it's such an important part of like my whole, my whole history. Yeah. I mean, personally, your story helped me, you know, get myself through my, um, my tunnel. And I just remember thinking like, if Lauren can get through this, like it is 100% possible that I can too. Like she, hers was worse than mine. So she can do it. I, I can do it. I just have to fight for it. Oh, it's amazing. I love hearing. Yeah. Any, I love hearing those stories too. Like I listened to a thing or yeah, I was inspired by your story of getting through the TBI. So yeah, thank you for saying that. That makes me, that fills my heart with happiness. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you, Lauren. Um, I, I think you're going to keep doing amazing things for people and your, your story is just going to help a lot of people out there that, you don't even know. That's the goal. That's <laughs> the end of the day. At the end of all this, it's the goal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank everybody for listening. And please, please share this episode with your friends and family. Subscribe to the podcast if you want future updates and write a review. Again, just this a little disclaimer, this podcast is only for educational purposes and it is not a substitute for advice or medical advice from a therapist or professional. So if you need help, please seek help. I hope you all have a great day and I will talk to you next time. I'm rooting for all of you out there. Keep it going. Woo! <laughs>